Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fishing, the Supreme Court, the Chevron deference, and the rule of lenity. What could they possibly have in common? This is Alan with Quarter Horse Arms, and, you know, it's funny you should ask that question. Well, at least I'd ask that question. And I'm going, what the heck is the Chevron deference? Well, in the early to mid-1980s, I think it was around 1983, Chevron Oil had a lawsuit against the NRDC, National Resource Defense Council. And the result of this um, lawsuit created what was called the Chevron deference. What it did was it required the courts to defer to an agency's interpretation of an ambiguous statute. So why would we create a law that had some ambiguity in it? Well, it might have been left there on purpose by Congress so that the agency could interpret some of the statutes because while the lawmakers wrote and enacted the law, they might not have thought of everything. And, you know, we have a federal agency. Let them do their job and interpret the law. The other thing that could have happened was it might have been left um, inadvertently ambiguous, meaning they didn't think of it or the situation didn't exist at the time. Case in point, the 80 percenters. So, and we'll come back to that in a minute. What the Chevron deference did was give the judges a fallback. So instead of having to for lack of a better term, ambiguously interpret every lawsuit against a federal agency in this case, it gave them a fallback which said, you can use what the agency's interpretation is provided it's reasonable. So if you come out with something wacky, the judge will have to obviously interpret something different, but in terms of very basics, if the statute interpretation makes sense the judges can say all right we're just going to use that and you know i apologize in advance if i poorly explain this um i got my information in this from the uh duke center for firearms law and you're going all right alan you still haven't explained fishing well it came to light recently meaning in the last several weeks um about a lawsuit uh from a fishing company and the Chevron deference in this case might not work. So the question is, is the Chevron deference something that we should continue to use? 
The uh, other part of this in terms of whether or not it's coming into question or questionable use is actually from the uh, blog put out by the SCOTUS, the Supreme Court of the United States. And as a Second Amendment person, the problems with this, with the, with the Chevron deference, are huge in terms of interpretation and impact of the interpretation. When uh, President Trump banned bump stocks, um, and ultimately what's gone on now is the bump stock ban was outside the ATF's authority. That was determined by the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. Did the interpretation matter? Probably not. The interpretation was probably okay. But the problem was that the ATF attached a criminal penalty to it. That's not their job. Their job is enforcing the statutes. It would seem to me the justice system would be responsible for assigning consequences or, um, in this case, criminal sanctions. Other things that were, may have popped up, uh, the frame and receiver ruling, pistol braces, um, ghost guns. So maybe we need to do without the Chevron deference, but what the court is now starting to use is what's called the rule of lenity. What it says is that the circuit courts need to read the statute as narrowly as possible and they have to interpret it in favor of those that it would be used against. So, for example, if I use the bump stock example. Well, that's weird. For example, I should use the example. All right. Well, regardless, the bump stock ban, the initial interpretation now was uh, made by the ATF was that it was a machine gun. And it was banned. Okay. Um, so, looking at the Circuit Court of Appeals... The ruling or the, the rule of law in this case or the rule of lenity says they have to look very narrowly at the agency's interpretation of the statute. So in this particular case, when it came to court, the court was actually able to use the ATF's interpretation against them meaning it was in favor of the people challenging the bump stock ban. If you recall, the ATF's interpretation of a machine gun is you pull the trigger and more than one bullet fires as long as you hold the trigger down. Semi-automatic, one pull of the trigger equals one bullet firing. Bump stock ban, or sorry, not the ban, bump stocks increase the rate of fire but they weren't a machine gun. So what the judge um, or the judges had to use as an interpretation was the person firing with a bump stock had to pull the trigger each time to get around to fire. And yes, did the weapons recoil energy and the mechanical component of the bump stock enable that person to fire faster? Yes, it did. Was it a machine gun 
under this narrow interpretation of the ruling? And the answer was, no, it was not. So that challenged, or that would take care of the bump stock ban. Similarly, if we look at the 80 percenters and the kits, um, and the ghost guns, and the frame and receiver rulings, under the rule of lenity, the ATF's wording is, as far as calling something a, a firearm, their interpretation is that if it kind of looks like a gun and it may be converted into a gun, it is a gun. Actually, I probably should say firearm. But in this particular case, the ruling is that it may be considered a firearm. The court's interpretation is using the word may means it's not currently a firearm. Therefore, it should not be considered a firearm. And the people selling them and the people buying them are not committing a crime. They also noted that buying a firearms kit Theoretically, is it may be converted into a firearm, but it is not currently a firearm. Whether or not that has any challenging issues um, in terms of serializing, you know, frames and receivers, don't know. It's it's kind of a weird area. And what happens if we do get rid of the Chevron deference? I mean, on the one hand, I could see where it might be useful for, let's call it silly or frivolous challenges to an agency statute. On the other hand, the rule of lenity forces the court to take a really close look at how the statute is worded. So I'm sure that when the initial laws about 80 percenters came up, that was an ambiguous hole in the statute. So the ATF is going, well, nobody thought of this thing when we came up with it. Well, the manufacturer sure as heck did. So they're going, we got to come up with something to do. And, you know, they make a big stink about ghost guns. There really isn't that many of them getting involved in crimes. However, Let's go back to my original thing. What happens if we get, a, get around or do away with the Chevron deference? And the Supreme Court has actually made it clear that they have no problem knocking holes through this thing. So if we end it, the implications are huge. And it sounds funny. You're going, Alan, who cares? Well, what it, if you end it, you get rid of the Chevron deference, it would potentially mean that the executive branch can't bend or change congressional law. So that has huge implications for, in my, in my opinion, it would have huge implications for executive orders. So instead of trying to get laws passed that are anti-Second Amendment gun control laws, 
the president, you know, writing an executive order and getting rid of this thing shouldn't be able to happen anymore if you get rid of the Chevron deference. What it means is you actually get a separation of powers. The executive branch can't overstep its bounds into the legislative branch. It would mean that if you have a hostile Congress, kind of like what President Biden has now, and you can't get a law passed, you can't go around it. Which is something I'm all for. I'm not sure how you guys feel about it, but frankly, I had an issue with some of the executive orders being passed. I have an issue with an agency passing a law. I understand you're going to interpret a statute. I mean, that's what their job is. They're regulatory agencies. But if you're going to charge me with a crime, there actually needs to be a law enacted. So that puts the ATF, for example, because as legitimate legal gun owners, we all know what's going on back and forth. I mean, this is a hot time for Second Amendment. So the ATF may suddenly have to start going back to Congress and saying, look, here's our interpretation. If this makes sense, let's make it part of the statute. And if there is a crime committed, you know, you're breaking the statute or breaking the law, we need to have the offense defined. If you look at some of the ATF penalties, you're looking at 10 years and $250,000. Seems to be a mantra. Well, in California, I can go kill somebody and get out on parole within six months. Seems like the ATF's penalty is a lot harsher than that. Okay, well, so much for my soapbox on that. Both of the issues, the Chevron deference, or not the issues, but both of these policies um, and, the, and the rule of lenity gave the judges some fallbacks and some guidelines. And it may just turn out that the Chevron deference has lived its life and it's time for it to go away. Because you don't want judges having to determine whether or not a statute is reasonable. I mean, what's reasonable to me may not be reasonable to you. So rather than let the agencies do the lawmaking, why don't we let the legislative branch take care of that? Now that I'm really down off my soapbox, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, ideas for podcasts or things you'd like to hear, you can um, call or text to 919-808-6480. You can email me at info at quarterhorsearms.com. Feel free to check out our website, quarterhorsearms.com. And as always, I'm Alan with Quarter Horse Arms in Snow Camp, North Carolina. You guys be safe out there and keep your eyes on the law. Have a great day.